you don't get to this level without some form of an ego, yeah. right? The, the reality is, is can you harness that and push that aside? You know what I mean? For your own personal gain, for again, serving others. And when the time is right, trust me, if you do this in that regard, like you will be rewarded, like things yeah. will benefit you and you'll start to see it that way. And same with the players. I'm telling you, look at the teams who have the most success. Like it's, it's typically not the teams who have the one or two amazing superstars that are just going to take every shot, right? Like this is a team, this is a team sport. This isn't an individual sport. Hello, and welcome to the physical preparation podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joining the line later today by Brady Howe of the Phoenix Suns. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a quick recap of the week that was, what's new in my neck of the woods, and I promise this will be brief because, you know, even though it has been a full week, it doesn't feel like a lot has changed. Client coaching going extremely well right now. As I mentioned last week, had some extra consulting and mentorship hours, so that's fun. All of my basketball guys, because that's really... My basketball guys and girls are all I have left, are doing fantastic. Really excited for them. Even got Dakota back this week. Felt like he was gone forever between getting to play for the uh, USA Select team, which basically works out the guys before they went and played in the Olympics. So he was gone for that. He was gone for summer league. They did a training camp in between. So finally got him back and saw him today. So great to see him and catch up with him. But yeah, man, I've only got two or three weeks left with my basketball guys and girls. So it's... It's uh, bittersweet because I'm excited to go watch them play, but also sad because, man, I enjoy working with them and I love being in the gym every day and helping them get better. So uh, clients are doing great. A little bit of soccer coaching this past weekend. You know, I thought, man, who is the greatest coach on the planet? Last week we came home, two victories, felt like the guys and the girls played really well. And then it all came crashing back to reality this weekend. Our boys went up against... Really, when you're coaching like first and second grade, it's like there's a bunch of kids that are just kind of like running around like crazy people. And then there's generally like one kid on each team. And their one kid this week was better than our one kid. I think this kid probably banged about eight goals himself. So, yeah, little guys lost. And then uh, our girls went and played a team from a different club. And this club, I don't know, man. I don't know what they're, they've got in the water up there, but I feel like these girls are always big. They're always strong, so I feel like our girls were a little bit scared and intimidated. We started to figure out how to how to counterattack them in the second half, but it was just a little a uh, little bit too late. So, needless to say, I will not be up for Coach of the Year after this weekend's results. But as I always tell both guys, girls, whoever I'm working with, hey man, you know this one's in the past. We move forward. We'll go in. We'll have some good practices this week and try and do a little bit better next week. So that is the soccer piece. And then, man, big news. I know I kind of alluded to it last week, but after 13 years in our current location, IFAST will be moving. And this is very top of mind right now because last Friday finally went, saw the new space. Man, I'm just telling you, this space is awesome. Like awesome, awesome. Uh, We're actually going to pair with our friends at Sogility. So going to have definitely a soccer theme to it because there's going to be all kinds of soccer-based training going on around us. But iFast will be what we have always been, you know, a hub for people that are interested in just getting more out of life, right? So we're still going to train our soccer players, of course, but basketball, football, soccer, volleyball, our gen pop clients, 
what we do on a day-to-day -day basis will not change. The home will definitely be a little bit different and it will definitely be a little bit nicer, but man, just really, really excited about this move. You know, seeing the walls up, starting to get a feel for how the layout of the gym is going to look. Man, I'm just telling you, like we're moving in from 5,000 to like 12,000 square feet. Now, don't get me wrong. We are not, we're not on the hook for all of that ourselves. Again, that's why we're kind of uh, going halfsies with the people at Sojility, but just really excited to make this a hub for young athletes, for older athletes, even again, for our gen pop people. Like I want this to be the spot in Indianapolis. And it's not like I don't think we're there already, but I think this is just going to really take us to the next level because now the outside is going to match what you get when you come in and you're on the inside. So really excited about the future of IFAS. I can tell you, I don't, I don't know if I've been more excited about the gym in recent memory than I am right now. So lots of good stuff going on in my neck of the woods. I hope you can say the same. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to jump into this awesome episode with my guy, Brady Howe. It seems like almost every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who was frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if this sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is gonna take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. The exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym, from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. And last but not least, I've added an entire section on my assessment process and how to use that to write programs faster and more effectively than ever before. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the certification is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the certification will open twice per year for a limited time only. If you're interested in learning more, my next certification will launch in March, 2021. And if you join my free insiders list, you'll be able to save $200 when it opens. To get on the insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com, and then stay tuned for our launch emails coming very soon. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. Brady Howe is an athletic trainer and strength and conditioning coach by trade, entering his fourth season with the Phoenix Suns organization. In his new role as the VP of Health and Performance, he oversees the Suns' medical and athletic performance team with the goal of optimizing performance while ensuring long-term player health. Brady shares his unique story entering the NBA setting, along with the finals-bound transformation and fast-track experiences that allowed him to ascend into his current role within the Phoenix Suns' historic franchise. In this show, Brady and I start by discussing his incredibly wide-ranging journey and how he finally found a home with the Suns. We talk about the various roles and responsibilities he's had over the years and why he feels every person who wants to work in the NBA should start in the G League first. 
And last but not least, we talk about his thoughts on leadership, soft skills, and why empowering others is such a critical piece of the puzzle. This was a really fun interview, and I think you're going to love it. But enough for me. Let's do this. Brady, man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to have you on and chat with you. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, Mike. Well, I appreciate you inviting me to be on. We've kind of talked on and off for a while now and finally get a chance to do this. So one, I've always appreciated, you know, the content you put out and we have a very similar small circle. So it's, it's fun to be on. So I appreciate you having me. But yeah, so a little bit about myself. I am an athletic trainer and strength conditioning coach by trade. I'm originally from northern Utah, and that's where I met my wife, Emily. And we've been married for 12 years now. And we have a seven-year-old little girl who is, her name is Macy. She's the ultimate fireball. So it's like. <laughs> that's awesome. She, having, a, having a little one of your own, you finally realize what karma really is, you know? Like, yes. so the grandparents just laugh in the background seeing you go through the same thing. But, and then we have a two-year-old, a majestic beast named Fudge, who was a pit bull. And uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's really my avatar. So like people in Corey or other of us come over to the house (laughs) and they see this dog and how muscular he really is. He's, (laughs) He's the, he's the real man in the house, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I need more pictures of Fudge on the IG, man. I don't know if I've seen him much. Oh, I'll, yeah, I got plenty. We'll put him out there. When, he, right. when he gets into a power stance, it's, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So talk to me. What led you to the world of physical preparation? How did you get started in all this? Um, some of it was just my own selfish exploration, right? I think yep. a lot of us come from a similar backstory where we wanted to be athletes ourselves, right? In yep. some regard. Uh, it's no different for me. Uh, very undersized kid trying to make the team, trying to make varsity, trying to earn his minutes. Um, and I I tell it like I, I grew up in the Sandlot era, you know what I mean? Yep. Like where it didn't matter what time of the year it was, you were playing some sport. So it started out with football, it'd go to basketball, and it'd go baseball, track. In the summertime, it legitimately was like, what baseball field are we playing? It really was for me, just grew up wanting to be an athlete myself. Um, And then by the time I got into my teenage years, um, again, I started to realize everybody around me was blossoming and getting to be 6'5", and I'm stuck here at 510 all the way <laughs> till the current state. And so I was always trying to figure out at an early age, how can I get bigger, faster, stronger? And then mind you, this is like early to mid nineties where all I was comfortable doing by myself in an awkward state is bicep curls and push-ups. And so it really just kind of started with, with that, uh, trying to be a better athlete and kind of keep up with those around me, but also, in the process, I, I ended up having a lot of my own injuries, you know, a lot of broken bones, surgeries. And so that kind of led me down to being introduced to what a physical therapist is, what an athletic trainer is, and how strength and conditioning coincides with not just return to sport, but also preparing for sport. And so that's really kind of where it all started for me. I love it. I love it. And then walk me through your career path. And I, I ask most people about this, but yours is truly fascinating. And you've had so many stops along the way. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. 
Yeah, I'll try to keep that timeline brief. <laughs> it started out as soon as I graduated from Weber State University, which is in my hometown where I grew up, 2008, I believe. I was fortunate. I jumped right into having a job waiting for me at uh, at a high school, a local high school. And I was just covering all the sports as an athletic trainer. And that, uh, you know, at the time, I, I still had always had an ambition to reach the elite level, whether it was, you know, college or professional, the professional level in any sport, you know, but I had been reaching out at the time. Um, it's kind of fascinating. I still don't know how I wanted to land in basketball, but at the time when I had this job, I was still, I was writing like letters. I was writing yeah. letters to everybody that I could find in the NBA. I was getting emails and, and really my introduction to the basketball world was, uh, it's a funny story. It started with a Facebook message. And this is like 2009 where like right. there isn't Instagram. This is like, I'm trying to befriend everybody I can. And <laughs> I probably just learned Facebook myself from my sister. So it just kind of landed where an assistant athletic trainer, who's still a very close friend and mentor of mine, his name is Brian Zettler. He responded and told me, hey, you know, we have an affiliate called the Utah Flash. They're in Provo. And, you know, why don't you, I put you in touch with them. So it just so happened, they were like, man, it's, it was at the time, the D League, the development league. Right. So they, uh, they had a kid fresh out of BYU running it. It was my same age and just trying to learn it as he went. And so the team was like, yeah, come out, do an internship. And I was thrilled. I was like, oh, here we go. This is amazing. I, so, but Provo is an hour and 20 minute drive from where I was at. Ooh. So I was, I was working, I'd finished my shift. I'd drive there, drive back. And also at the same time, I'd been recently married, you know, after graduating from Weber State. So there's just a lot going on. Yeah. So I did that for a year and then uh, the flash ended up saying, Hey, we'd love to have you around more. We'd like for you to be our head up for trainer. I'm 23, 24 thinking, man, this is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so did that for one year. That was, I'm still so close to so many of those guys. One of the funnest teams and seasons I've ever experienced. I would love to go back and just watch it and see how bad I was and all the things <laughs> I, I should, right. I, I've learned from. But uh, another small circle story to that is one of our lead assistants here, Kevin Young, who sits on the front bench. He was our head coach for that team. Mm. So 10 years later, full circle. But I went from doing that for one year, the team went under. And again, this is at a time where the, the D League had 10 teams, you right. know, so it was very, very still small. And so when that went under, I was a little disappointed because I was like, well, what's next? But I had made enough friends in my hometown where I then went to cover minor league baseball for the Dodgers. There's a very entry level team for the pioneer league called the Ogden Raptors. I had done that. And then in that same summer, Weber state came calling back saying, Hey, we have an opening. Do you want to, you want to come join us? I said, absolutely. You know, so right. I was back home. So that was the same time I was there for three years. I was being a jack of all trades, athletic trainer, strength coach, you name it. So yeah. it was kind of around the time where I got my CSCS right before then. And uh, I was covering a lot of different things like, you know, college is fun, but also college is one of those environments where they reward you by with your good work with more work. Yes. You know, like yeah. you do a good job. Great. Okay. Here's volleyball. Kill that. Okay. Here's golf. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, well pay me. Right. <laughs> Pretty yes. Much. Like, yes. So 
it was great experience. Um, and I was fortunate to still be able to be involved with basketball. And of course, you know, three years with Damian Lillard isn't awful. So yeah, it's just could be worse. Right place, right place, right time, you know? So after Weber State, I actually, I kind of got a little burnt out. This is where something I'm proud of, but most people thought I was crazy. It's felt like I was on track to kind of be in a, a head position with Weber State eventually, but I got burnt out. I, I really did. And I had a, I have a brother that's 10 years younger than me that I obviously love dearly. And he's kind of like one of those, you know, when you have a, a brother that's 10 years younger than you, that's following you everywhere and you know, watching you play sports and you kind of just beating on this kid his whole life. And now he's in high school and you realize he's a much better athlete than you. <laughs> uh, I kind of took on this passion project where my, my high school I went to was wanting to hire me as the athletic trainer, the strength coach and like teach classes, you know, like some sports med classes. Yeah. And so I, I left Weber state and I, you know, I, I remember feeling like, you know, it's just the right thing to do. So it, it was kind of a passion project so I could spend time with him. And, and it was amazing. You know, it was I, some of the most fun memories I've had teaching kids. And, and uh, you know, I go back home every once in a while and run into these kids' parents in the grocery store. And they're like, man, they still talk about how you were, you know, like such a fun teacher. And at the time, I thought to myself, like, what's wrong with our society? Who would hire me as a high school teacher? <laughs> like, right. like this, is, this is not right. But. I only did that for another year before uh, we were expecting Macy. And at the time, I still remember it vividly. A couple of things. One, it was the night that Paul George fractured his oh, yeah. at USA Basketball. So we had that on. Yeah. At the same time, Macy's being delivered. So I remember I'm just watching my child be born. And, right. I, and all of a sudden, I see this guy just snap his leg. Ugh. And I'm just yeah. like. And then I was pacing the hallways because I had uh, two phone calls going on. The Cleveland Cavaliers had offered me uh, a seasonal internship at the exact same time LeBron was coming back. So it's kind of like, wow, this is this could be cool. But then I'm sitting here thinking I'm hours after just having our first child, the Utah Jazz called and said that they were going to buy a D-League team this time, but they were going to own and operate it. Mm. And that was in Boise. So decided to take the job kind of stick to what we knew and again an internship versus a job i felt like you know i had to have a little stability even though it it, it was much closer we could drive to boise from where we live so yeah. took that and again a couple years in in boise idaho you know we weren't very good at all during that time but you know we were able to build something and, and had a great time and some of my closest friends still to this day um were on that staff or those players and after two years, we moved to Salt Lake City, uh, which is now the Salt Lake City Stars. So I was a part of that transition and, and moving the team there and a lot of opportunities to kind of develop within the jazz system. And after a season there, Scotty Parker called me in Atlanta with the Atlanta Hawks and offered me a job to be the assistant athletic trainer. And it was, I mean, going from Utah and being a Western kid to like, hey, here's Atlanta. Like, yeah. It, it it's a uh, culture shock yes. for sure. Like I was excited about it. I jumped head first. Like, I mean, my wife will joke and say, I didn't even talk to her about it. I just decided we were doing it, <laughs> but uh, did that. And then this is where most people laugh. They're like in a four year span. I, I don't know how this happened. And honestly, sometimes I don't, but it went from G league in Salt Lake to assistant athletic trainer in Atlanta 
The very next year, it was head strength coach for the Phoenix Suns. And then the very next year after that, it was my current role, kind of overseeing the department. So it's as a whirlwind. I sometimes don't know how it happened. It's kind of like the stars aligned and right place, right time. But here we are. Yeah, I love that, man. So one thing, and I don't know if you have an answer to this, because you kind of said you don't know how you ended up in basketball, but... Like, what was it about basketball that kept drawing you back? You know, because you had these different stops and you worked in baseball, you worked at a college, you worked at high school. What was it about basketball that kept pulling you back in? Well, where again, where I grew up, think about Utah. What's the only team that they have in Utah? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a basketball town that Utah Jazz are king. And then... Honestly, the neighborhood I grew up was unique. I was a I was a in a neighborhood where my neighbor across the street was the athletic director of Weber State. The neighbor to the left of me was the head coach of Weber State during the team. Uh, so I was always at camps. I was all I was a ball boy for Weber State when they beat North Carolina. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, so like I I was just always basketball was everything you know like the jazz jazz games like it was just one of those things where you loved every sport but that was i think that's really where it stemmed from it's just basketball was just so big in utah yeah you know yeah so i think that's really where it started for me and i loved every sport played them all and i honestly had more opportunities to play football than i did basketball oh wow um but so i i played football all the way up till college but basketball was always kind of that first love yeah no that's awesome man and then what i'd love to talk about and focus on are not just the journey but like the change and the evolution in your roles and your responsibilities along the way because like you said you've worn the athletic trainer hat you've worn the strength coach hat now you're the the vp of health and performance so would you mind starting by just talking about like along those different stops what your role was and what that would look like on a day-to-day basis. Because there's a lot of people out there, young coaches that listen to this show, and they're like, oh, I'd love to you know, be in the league, or I'd love to you know, be in professional sports, but they don't know what that really means or like what the responsibilities look like. So could you give us some insight there? Sure. I also joke about this. People in, that I just run into, and I, I'll be wearing sun's gear, I'll be in the grocery store. And of course, recently, because of the year we had, everybody is just like, sons everything yeah. is sons yeah. so when they see you wearing certain gear they're like where'd you get that and and <laughs> the easiest way for that me to explain to people what i do and this isn't to take this away from our head athletic trainer but to explain what i do to people i just tell them i'm the head athletic trainer because they're like cool <laughs> but it's like i'm not obviously we have a head athletic trainer that's amazing but trying to explain to people like just off the street you know what i mean like what i do it's like I don't have 10 minutes to tell you <laughs> right. all the things that I, all the things I do, but it's, it's kind of evolved into a position that, um, again, I didn't think I would ever be doing, but, um, I'm it's all of the titles and positions that I've held. I feel like they gave me the graded exposure that I needed, uh, to fill a role like this. Um, so as again, titles are, are titles to me, they really aren't, you know, it, they are what they are, but right. my role now is kind of just to to help the entire department, you know, so I've kind of got my finger involved in uh, the medical side, the, the performance side with strength and conditioning, uh, nutrition with our chefs, sports psych, 
um, you name it. You know, I work very closely bridging the gap with all of those people so that our, our team is very cohesive, but also on the same page, but also you kind of think of it from like our front office side, you've got your GM and then an entire department, you've got the head coach and then his staff. It's, it's kind of very similar to that where it's just um, you're, you're in the clouds looking at everything, yeah. you know, whereas everybody else is, is kind of down there in the trenches kind of working, you know, so it's, it's, it's a good fun challenge for me, but this is finishing my second year of doing it. Uh, but I've always been like, you've already, we've already discussed. I've always been one of those where my, I was just head down, focus on one role, you right. know? And, and so now the G league, we'll go, we probably get into this, but the G league roles, you know, you're a one man army. So it's, yep. it was kind of similar. So that I feel like gave me some confidence to do that. Um, but when you're at this position and it's uh, this environment, this level, it's obviously a lot more pressure packed and just a lot more thrown at you. So, yeah, yeah. no, that's awesome. So one thing I, I would love to hear from you as well is shifting from uh, the way I think of it is like moving from soldier to commander, right? Because if you're uh, an athletic trainer or you're a head strength coach, there's still kind of somebody over top of you, right? And you've got certain duties, but now you have to kind of look down and supervise everybody. So what does your day-to-day look like when you're doing that? Like how much of it is communicating? How much of it is sitting in meetings or bringing everybody together? Like what does the day-to-day look like for you now? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think of it in a few different ways. So what I was expecting um, still really hasn't happened because when I took this role, um, I was only a few months in before COVID broke. Right. You know, so realistically now a big part of what I've taken on is, is overseeing all of that, which people probably truly don't know the depths of that at the NBA level. I mean, you probably hear about it, but it's a full-time job and I didn't want that to impact our group at all and the amazing practitioners and things that they do so so that is is probably the heart of what I'm doing right now is just the day-to-day of dealing with that so I'm managing that but I also am involved in kind of every aspect like you said from more of the aerial view right so it's it's for me it's just trying to empower that group to to do what they do best, you know? So it's really just keeping everybody on the same page because whether that's a guy's healthy and he's, he's training for a certain, you know, I mean, role on the team or he's injured he's got to return the play protocol that we're, we're working through, or we got a new player coming in, which is kind of what's going on right now, right? The off season free agency, it's, you're in strategy meetings with the coaches and front office and ownership and figuring out who's coming in and you're looking into their, their medical history and what needs to be done if they're signing. And so it depends on the year, to be honest with you, but it's, it's nonstop. I mean, it's just, you know, you're just putting on one hat after another, but it's honestly one of those things that's helped me, I think, grow and learn the most as well. I've had some of these positions alone by themselves where you just yeah. focus on that. Um, but again, it's kind of, it's kind of nice to be able to just be involved in all of it, you know? And so again, like I've, I'm not sitting here driving the ship where you don't, you don't hire 
amazing, great, creative people and tell them what to do. So that's, that's definitely like now some people might like, they would love to be in this position and and they would love to just say, do as I say, (laughs) but you know, when you have amazing minds and practitioners, like, like we do in the NBA, uh, especially that I feel like here in Phoenix, you're here just to support them, you know, and really from the top down, you're trying to figure out what's the vision, what's the culture, what are we trying to drive starting with our, at, you know, at the top. And so it's really just trying to have that trickle down effect so that our group is, is doing the same thing and we're, we're matching each other's levels so that our team can be as successful as possible. I love it, man. So this brings up a great point and something that I hadn't initially thought of, but let's say you have a, an athlete and they happen to be in Indianapolis. One thing I would do almost immediately is connect with you or whoever's working with them and try and figure out, okay, what's going on? What do we need to work on? And there's this back and forth. But you guys are in a point now where like free agency, we're in the thick of that right now. You're getting new people in. How much information sharing is there between clubs? Like if you're getting a new player in, is that just based on like your relationships with guys from other teams? Or how is there any information sharing in that sense? Great question, because even looking at it from sport to sport right you hear yeah. in the nfl major league like some leagues are like very competitive like yeah. we don't share anything i'm not right. even talking to you like on game days like they won't even shake hands on the field right basketball basketball is is a family it really is that's the cool yeah. thing about it like you're competing and you want to beat each other of course you're trying to you know be that team that's the last standing for sure but the athletic training associations the strength coach associations you name it like everybody is uh connected you know and so when it comes to that you know some relationships you grow you know because also it's kind of a revolving thing it's not just coaches and players but you know we've all had a lot of us have just worked together you know in one form or or another there's a lot of growth in the nba and so there is a lot of communication when it comes down to that that's kind of the same when I've, i've noticed with coaches and gms is the relationships are strong and and yes, you know, you are sometimes having the gamesmanship of it or the, the sure. strategy when it comes to trades or acquisitions. But yeah, like so, but it, the communication, I think, is the strongest thing. And I think that's still something that can be improved because the NBA has grown to having so many cooks in the kitchen, right? Like it yeah. truly has evolved. There's so many coaches. There's so many, even the roster spots have grown over right. a few years, right? So having two-way players now and so when you add more it also waters things down to where there's just more holes you know what i mean like so so communication is 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 definitely the biggest thing that to try to hone in on and that's that is, that's no different when it comes to trying to recruit a player or sign a player and you're trying to get their medical history or or even their training history because that's the fun part when you come right. in it's like all right like, where is this guy truly at cuz sometimes you'll get guys who live in the weight room or have certain routines when it comes to the medical side and some, so you really, it's, it's tough. You know, that was one of the things I, I had a hard time with in the G league was you get so many players that really don't want to be there. Let's be honest with you. Like they right. want the opportunity, they want to play, but their goal is to be in the NBA. So if yeah. they are in the G league, it's, that's not their ultimate goal. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. kind of a short, short window that they're there. And when they're there, not like you had a off season with them it's like you know what i mean like to prepare them for the season it's like they're showing right. up the day before and they're ready to hoop and so it's like where's yep. this guy been I, so 
it's kind of uh, it's also a puzzle to try to figure those things out and then to kind of figure out what's the best course we can put them on so that they can succeed, not just for the team, but for that player. Yeah, I love that, man. So I think we're definitely seeing more and more positions like yours. Like, I don't know, obviously, the NBA landscape to the degree that you do, but like more and more clubs are putting somebody in your type of position, right, that oversees things. So one thing I'd love to hear from you, because again, you are there, is how much maybe difference there is in roles like yours across the league, right? Like, do some guys do more of like an overseeing type thing? Do some guys, you know, have their hands in more things and they're more active, like training or rehabbing or whatever? Like, how much discrepancy is there across teams? Yeah, I, one, I think it gets a little confusing because... It really, it really just depends. It's, it's yeah. all over the place. It truly is. Like I still personally, as long as I've been in this, I don't know how many teams have a role like mine, whereas some are still kind of like the head athletic trainer is kind of seen as the person running the show. Right. Like sometimes like it, it truly starts at the top, you know, with, again, with management and the coaches, like what's their vision and how they see things. And then, but for us, it, it, it varies. Again, I'm, I'm kind of overseeing things, but then again, I leave it to those in their positions to do what they were brought in to do. Right. right? Like that's it. And, and if you give them that platform, you're going to see them do amazing things. Right. So yeah. I, I would like to believe if you asked any of those that work with me, like it's, they have the green light, right. It's kind of like player, like you've got the green light to shoot. Right. You know what I mean, so right. it's, but, but for our staff, it's like, just, you know, I, I want them to have being in a comfortable environment so that they feel confident at what they're doing yep. is, is what they're good at. And obviously again, it's, it's kind of refining or tweaking things so that the entire group is aiming for the same goals for each player, because yep. that's what we're here for. At the end of the day, everything that we have, all the resources, all the staff is for the player. Yep. And so the player needs to be first and foremost, they need to come first and how we're, our approach is to helping them develop or really just be the best that they can. But I'm seeing it amongst each team. It's just, it, it varies for sure. There are some yeah. kind of in a similar position to me who are heavily involved. And sometimes that's a good thing. And sometimes that actually hinders things, you know, sure. I mean, for the rest of the staff. And then there are some who are completely hands off that are just like, they might as well be an executive in the front office that are just, you know, right. just around if you need something. So right. it really, it really varies. Each team is different. And I, again, I go back to what's the vision of the team, what's the culture of the team. And I tend to believe in the last 16 months, the last two seasons, the trend that we have been on or the short turnaround success that people believe we've had, it comes down to our culture. It really is. It starts with James Jones, Monty Williams, and the relationship they have they're phenomenal leaders. Like if you've ever been able to just follow them, much less spend personal time with them, they're, they're incredible. Like just, it's, it's truly, it's infectious. Their camaraderie and just everything that they bring about them. Like it's not a, a facade. It's not, you know, all these things that you saw even more so in the playoffs, just because of the media, it's, that's, that's who they are. Like, and that's, that's a daily thing. Like they've created a work environment for our team. And everybody that's been brought in has been brought in to, to play a part in that. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's, it's been a beautiful thing to be a part of. I'm very fortunate and I've learned a lot from them. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. And we're going to talk more about them here in just a little bit. But I got one more question kind of about your role, because one thing I try and do whenever I do these these shows, I try and put myself in the guest position. Right. And I'm just trying to imagine like all the things you oversee. Right. So training, rehab, athletic training, nutrition, all of these different pieces. Right. And I just know how I operate. And I'm assuming most of you guys are the same way. It's like, I mean, you want to know all the things about all the different things, right? So how do you go about managing that, right? Is it just that fact that you're just so confident in the people that you have? You're like, I trust this person. They're going to knock it out of the park. Is that kind of the approach you have to have? Because like you said, you can't know everything about all of these different topics you kind of have to oversee. No, there's there's a lot. There yeah. is a lot like it truly is. It's sometimes it, it is. It gets to the point where you're just like, kind of, where am I? You know what I mean, I'm lost. <laughs> right. it could be upside down. Like I'm right. just completely, but you, you kind of hit it on the head. Like, yes, for us, you, you have to have the right people surrounding you. You yep. know what I mean? Like if, and there's no one way to do anything. This is what I love about if you, you get to know Corey, if you've ever heard some of Corey stuff. Like, oh yeah. He's so creative. He's so, and, and it truly is like some of the stuff that people either love about Corey or they might, you know, get rubbed the wrong way because they feel like you've got to do things a certain way. It's, that's, that's how this group is. It's like you bring people in who are very creative, who are amazing human beings and you just trust them. You know what I mean? And the thing about our group is also when this team was put together a couple of seasons ago is there was only one or two of us who truly had NBA experience. You know what I mean? So the approach for us was just finding the right human beings that, that fit the culture that, that had experience, but more than anything, they, they've, they've gone through the mud, right? They've gone through the trenches, whether it was college in the the private sector, it it really doesn't matter to me because some of the soft skills I feel like are the most important things. Yep. You're right. So like in, in, you get a lot of our athletes that come in and by the time they're 25 years old. They've probably had 15 strength coaches, you know, from AAU yeah. to they've had moms and, and dads kind of taking them to the clinics and all kinds. So they've had a lot of exposures to different things. And some of them, you know, if you get a mid thirties player, we'll say who's well-known and has every resource, like they, they, they've got their routines, you know, you've kind right. of got to follow their lead. And so we're here as a support staff to the players, but it, it kind of my role, it comes down to that. You just you have to trust these guys. You have yeah. to trust everybody that's on your team to do what they do well. And, and I, I, I can't micromanage them. It's impossible. Like you said, to try to have a hand on every, every element is truly impossible. So I think one of the good examples that I had heard from James Jones, because he's no different, like trying to think of what a GM is involved in. It's not just the basketball ops side, like building a team they're so involved in the business side of it more so. And it's like, I don't know how they do it. It's truly amazing to see what these GMs go through. And, and on the coaches side, the coaches have to deal with the media. Like it's, it's incredible. Like this, just everything that's on their plate, but James Jones kind of told, he's, you know, very well-read guy. And and he, you know, kind of used the term like you're an executive for a car manufacturer let's say toyota you know what i mean like yeah. it's the same thing like you probably got your clipboard of 10 different departments and you've got to pop in every day like hey how's the brake department going or the install hey how's the like it's everything the engines the computers the motherboards like the transmissions it's 
it's all those things you're just kind of popping in and making sure like it's almost like you pop your head in it's like hey are there any fires we got to put out today <laughs> no right. okay let's go on let's go on to the next thing and so it's a great question you know what i mean it's something that i think we're learning every day and and the longer that a group and a team is together uh the more adversity and the more problems you face and you kind of iron those those wrinkles out and so you know, been together a couple of seasons now, you know, we've had a little bit of success, but we're always still trying to figure out what's best for our guys and how do we continue to improve? Yeah. I love it, man. Okay. So last but not least, I'd love to talk about leadership, right? And this is something that I feel like gets thrown around a lot these days. You know, we get into these buzzwords and these hot topics, but I'd love to get your take on it because again, you moved from just like in the trenches, you know, taping ankles, writing S&C programs to leading a group now. So I'd love to hear two questions. Number one, what does leadership mean to you? And then number two, how do you go about trying to get the best out of your staff every single day? Yeah, even even that word leadership technically is kind of a buzzword, right? It's kind yes. of those things like it's always been out there. Leadership books, which I love, by the way, it's one of those things that just fascinates me. Yeah. But it's more so to me about empowering others. Like, that's kind of how I look at leadership. It's not like I'm leading you like, hey, follow me. Like, again, do as I say. It's more so how do you show that you believe in them? And Because I, I, I'm very similar to how you've seen uh, probably a Monty Williams preach. Like, I'm, I'm in this to serve others. Like, that's one of the things that I fall back on is, have you ever read the book from Simon Sinek? Like, like start with why? Yeah, yeah. It's kind, of, it's kind of just that thought process, like, why are you in this? You know what I mean? Are you really just in this for sports? And if, if you remove sports from it and you were still just an athletic trainer or strength conditioning coach, but you weren't doing it for sports, will you still love this? I'm, I'm truly in this to, to help serve others. And that's why I've also found joy in this role is not just to serve the athletes, to help figure out how we can make them better and, and live a long, healthy life and career, but, but the staff as well. You know, like how can we find things that allow them to grow, whether that's continuing education, whether that's toss them in the deep end and help them learn how to swim with some of these reps in the, in the field that they, they can get. But it's more so for me, it's just trying to find the best way to empower others, give them creative opportunities that allow them to maximize their potential. Yeah. Well, dude, I just have so much respect for guys in your position because there's just so many things going on, right? There's a lot of pressure. Obviously, just the level that you're at, you're surrounded by a lot of high level practitioners, like it or not, there's ego involved, right? Just because look, everybody at that level is really good. So trying to manage the egos of the staff, manage the egos of the athletes, getting everybody to work together, kind of get on the same page and kind of, like you said, like have this common focus and common goal. It's a lot of work, dude. So I got a lot of respect for what you're doing, man. It can't be easy. <laughs> Uh, I appreciate that. But again, if you love what you do, it's, it's, you, you definitely said that that's a common topic in this, in this level is like you, nobody, even an intern, you don't get to this level without some form of an ego, yeah. right? The, the reality is, is can you harness that and push that aside? You know what I mean? For your own personal gain for again, serving others. And when the time is right, trust me, if you do this in that regard, like, you will be rewarded. Like things yep. will benefit you and you'll start to see it that way. And same with the players. I'm telling you, 
look at the teams who have the most success. Like it's, it's typically not the teams who have the one or two amazing superstars that are just going to take every shot, right? Like this is a team, this is a team sport. This isn't, this isn't an individual sport. Although some take that mentality and we'll just bring in some of the best players and let them do their thing. Sometimes that works. Again, there's no right or wrong way. There's a lot of different ways to go about it, but it's a, it's a team effort. So if you come in here and everybody's got the right mentality and approach to that, like Natasha Rigo to decide, even though it's always it's always subconsciously there, but you just figure out how to manage. Yeah, I love it, man. All right, big question time, my guy. If you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Brady Howe one piece of advice, what would it be? That's a great question. Outside of like investment yeah. <laughs> advice. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, I'd, I'd say master the soft skills. I really feel like it's just, just be yourself. Like we live in such a copycat world. Um, and even in, in this profession, right. It's just, don't fall a trap to that. I'd say slow down, be open-minded, observe, listen before you speak. And one of the things that I, I did feel like I learned from Michael Roncarati and those guys when I was in Atlanta was honestly question everything. Like, why yeah. not? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's 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 probably what I would – because when we're young and even right now, I'm seeing it with my daughter, you know, people around me, like the social media craze that we all have, it is. Everybody, everybody wants to copy each other. Everybody wants to be the first. Everybody yeah. just just be yourself. Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. Okay, last but not least, we got our lightning round. So I got five fairly short questions. Your answer can be as long or short as you like. Number one, what's your career highlight so far as a coach? I got to say, just just because of the way we just finished, it was just this playoff run. Yeah. That was the first time I've ever been to the playoffs. And to just run the gauntlet all the way to the end like that, I mean, was it was a roller coaster. I mean, it really was this last 16 months starting with the bubble, but just to have the season that we had, but that, that playoff run, although it didn't, it didn't end the way that we had hoped. It was, uh, it was an amazing experience. For sure. Okay. Can I add one? Well, what was the experience like in the bubble? I mean, I remember watching the videos and you guys are in there masked up and like doing like sand or not even sandbag. It was like water bag workouts, throwing kettlebells outside. Like what was that experience like? Yeah. You know, I think that's really where we stood out. The hotel that we were staying at, they paired six teams, like the six teams who were all battling for the final spot. So that was fun. But that truly is, I feel like where our story started, like we were trending in a, in a good direction before COVID broke that season, you know, we were building something and that was our first year, all of us together, but the, the bubble, man, I'll tell you what, and I get it. We were all battling for the final spot. The NBA put us in the smaller hotel. There wasn't a whole lot of things that we could do, but we found enough with the pool and the beach area. Our team was just so cohesive. Like we we found so many creative things to do. Where like even the players, you probably saw we were playing. I, I had like taken with us like a pool basketball hoop. We took spike ball. We took all these things with us, just yeah. knowing that we were going to be out there so long. That every day it was a new thing, and it was funny. All the six head coaches, they were kind of notorious for like doing their morning walk, like laps around like the resort and all that right. stuff. And every day it was. It was Alvin Gentry. It was uh, it was it was 
Brooks. It was all these guys that was that were walking by, and every day they would stop, and they literally would say, "You guys don't stop. You? <laughs> like you guys just don't quit." But it, like we just, I mean, we, we're just kind of go 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 type of people, right? Very yeah. active people, and we've just found ways to get our players involved in competitive things and just have fun with it because. I mean, you're out like this was early COVID. It was like, what what are we going to do? We're stuck in this hotel for at least six weeks, you know? So we had to find a lot of things to do. And and I feel like that our team rised above that challenge, that adversity, you know what I mean? And that's honestly, that's where it started to show. I feel like that team chemistry is where it sparked off and, eight no run in the bubble i i feel like that was because of the the character and the chemistry our players had together yeah that's awesome dude okay you're obviously moved to the top of the world in pretty short order when it comes to the basketball world what would you attribute that success to uh, i mean it kind of to probably be a broken record here talked about it a lot but our culture you know i, I feel like james and monty have brought in you know, a phenomenal, not just game plan, but just culture, just being them being them, you know, they've surrounded this entire program with players and staff who, who are all, they're all, they all have the same goal. You know what I mean? Right. And they're all doing this for one another, but it's our culture. A lot of the things we do drives the winning environment. You know, we have high care factor with kind of the service mentality and we hold each other accountable and we support one another. So I think, I think it just comes down to that. It, you know, culture is again a buzzword, right? It could yeah. be a lot long, but that's what we have going on here. That's that's very strong. I love it. Okay, true or false? You once drove the bus for your G League team. <laughs> this is true, but uh, once <laughs> no, but that that. So I drove that bus for three years. What? How's oh, that yeah. possible? So, if you want to know the intricate fun odd jobs that you'll have if you work in the G league, I'm telling you, if you want to be in this environment, it should be a requirement that you go work in the G league. And yeah. it, like, it's some of the most fun I've ever had. And you're either going to learn very quickly that you were made for this or you're not um, <laughs> because it's truly like, it's like the one army, you know, one man army it's grown. It's grown a little bit. I'll tell you that much. But when I was doing it in you know, 2009, there was a short stint. And then I did it from 2011 to 14. You're the athletic trainer. You're a strength coach, equipment manager, bus driver. You're doing all these things. You're basically just like the team parent. Right. And uh, <laughs> so, and a lot of those tasks, I mean, your athletic trainer, the things that you went to school for and the things that you think you're going to do as a practitioner, they take a back seat because the hours it takes to be able to drive these guys to and from practice to the apartments to pick up their gear, to wash it, to get it back to them. To it's, there's a lot, I have so many stories, but when it comes to driving that bus, I have one story that's pretty legendary <laughs> that I had to drive like a legit, like bus, like, like <laughs> from, I had to drive a bus from after the game, we played a back-to-back game in Austin and we were going to a real grand Valley to play the Houston Rockets Julie team. It's probably a six hour drive in the middle of nowhere. Oh my gosh. And our bus driver got replaced at the last second. And it, this person had been driving all day. So they're like, yeah, this is, I'm working a double. And the bus driver started to kind of doze off a couple hours into the drive. So our oh. head coach, is, he starts flipping out. He tells me to get up there and, and <laughs> talk them into the, talk them into pulling over 
and we're in the middle of nowhere, like the middle of the desert. We don't even know where we're at, but we've gone three hours there. So it's like somebody can come take over, but we'll wait three hours. We could drive back three hours. I finally just was like, no, we're driving this thing because we played the next day. Right. So I literally talked them into like, I mean, we had we had to have our CDLs, you know, and all those things. So I just talked them into me taking over. So I hopped in there, <laughs> I turned on some some tunes and then we we made it there. But I mean, the G League is going to give you some exposure to some amazing things that you're going to have to just, you're going to have to find your way through it. Yeah, I love that, man. And like, I always tell, because so many young coaches, they want the prestige of being at the NBA level, right? Like they're thinking five-star hotel, charter flights, you know, working with like multimillionaires, but it doesn't start like that or it shouldn't, right? Like there's a lot yeah. of hoops you got to jump through and like going through some of that adversity, I think is really powerful for young people. Absolutely. It should be a requirement. I think it's it's going to help you develop yeah, very fast. For sure. Okay. What's next for Brady Howe? Win a championship. Love it. <laughs> I mean, Love after, it. after the sour, after this, the little sour taste we just had in our mouths, of course, that's, that's the goal, but that's a great question. I think of this in two ways, personally and professionally. I think personally it's, I'm just trying to rejuvenate. We've been going for 10 months straight. And so I just want to slow down, spend as much time with my family as I can. I mean, that's the other part of this. If you have a family and you're going through this, you work a lot, you travel a lot. And so they make the ultimate sacrifice. And so I just you know, I want to thank my wife, Emily, my daughter, Macy, and my, my family back home, because this has always been a dream of mine. And it's amazing to be able to experience that, but to trek them all over the country from job to job. Yeah. Um, it's not easy on them. And then when you bring them to all these places, you're working nonstop. So it's like, it's, it's, it's tough on them. And so really I'm just trying to, uh, to commit some time for them right now until the season starts. I love it. I love it. Well, Brady, awesome chatting with you today. This was so much fun. Where can my listeners find out more about you and the work that you're doing? Yeah. So I don't have a huge social media presence. I mean, I try to get creative with it. I, I'm usually toying around on Instagram. My Instagram's how six. I have Facebook where you can just find my name, like Twitter, you can, you know, same thing, just Brady Howe. So that's where you can find me. And then I do think that a few of us on the staff, we have some things that we're going to try to spark off here in the near future. That could be some opportunities for everybody to kind of collaborate together and push each other in the field. I love it. I love it. Well, Brady, again, man, thanks so much for your time, buddy. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's show with Brady. Really hope you enjoyed it. Man, this one's been a long time in the making, as they say in show business. We tried to set this up last year. I think maybe before he went in the bubble, after the bubble, they had the abbreviated off season. Then they went right back into the season. So we've been trying for quite some time to get this on the books, and I was really excited to chat with Brady. He definitely delivered. Love hearing his thoughts on leadership, on soft skills. The guy's had such a journey to get to where he's at today. So like I said, I really hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, take two seconds out of your day right now, and wherever you consume podcasts, please go there and subscribe. Doesn't matter whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, uh, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you consume podcasts, go there right now, hit the subscribe button so you know each and every week when a new episode drops. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care. <laughs>